Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com All right, guys. Welcome back. Yet another episode of the Outdoor Drive Podcast. This is your host, East Coast Trev. I am still at ATA here in St. Louis. Great time. Actually, funny, we were walking around one of the aisles, and I bumped into Jason Thomas, who actually we had reached out about doing a podcast, and it just happened to work out where we were in the same place at the same time. So we figured, what better than this than to, to jump in the media room and do a little podcast. So without further ado, let me introduce to you Jason Thomas. How we doing, man? Man. doing doing pretty good yeah doing pretty good yeah how's the ata been for you it's uh it, it's been fun it's uh yesterday was kind of a blur it went by pretty quick uh you know it took a while to get through the show walking around with uh the antlers <laughs> in my hand everybody's <laughs> wanting to guess the score and uh you know take a picture or look at it and hold it and but it's uh it's been fun does anybody get close to the guessing yeah, there was a guy yesterday, he goes, I bet that thing scored 210 and a half. And I said, well, green, or, you know, good green, uh, Ohio big buck score was 211 and four eights. I said, so you're pretty close. And the official uh, Ohio big buck uh, gross uh, inches of antler was, uh, after the 60-day drying period, was 210 and seven eights. So he's, he was really close. Wow, that's yeah, wild. Really close. So some people, are, you know, say 190s. 191 you know so there it's all over the place but yeah, but when you get over the 150 <coughs> mark it's tough to like you know because it, it just it's a, yeah like, i think i think there's a wow factor to it right and you're like wow yeah yeah there definitely is and you know especially once they get so big in a big frame it's hard to really say is that a 30 inch main beam I don't know. I've never, I don't know. I've never held one, <laughs> yeah. you know, so you're looking at it and you're like, okay, I don't, I, most, most deer people shoot have 20, 22 may, you know, that's mm-hmm. a big main beam. But when you start talking third, just shy of 30 inches, it adds, starts adding up quick. And, you know, we, we shoot to as, you know, avid, you know, trophy hunting whitetail guys that we shoot for that like 140 150 we've seen pictures of millions mm-hmm. of them and we can look at it and be like all right that thing's got a, a 10 inch g2 g2 you know and you're mm-hmm. just like all right we the, know the that 150s uh, the 140s and 150s you're like okay that you know okay it's a eight big eight pointer uh, it's probably 140 and then it's a same deer with the but he's a 10 pointer okay that's probably 150 it, you know it's pretty easy but once they get into the 170s Really, you've got to really take a look at him. Like, man, I don't know. I don't know. You know, we guessed him on the hoof because I had tons of history with this deer. We had guessed the guy that Green scored him for me. Um, the Buck Ohio Big Buck score said, and we're looking at it. We're okay. Well, this might be this long. This might be this long. And 
we were off. We guessed him at 191 gross mm-hmm. inches of antler just on the hoof. Is that as a trail camera or he? you had already killed him? No. That was uh, summer scouting, phone scope video, you know, through a spotting scope watching him mm-hmm. and getting videos front on side you know good video to try and really and then there we i I have tons of trail camera pictures um you know frontals rear sides just trying to you know guess based on his nose length and Mm -hmm. uh, ear you know how long an ear is nine inches or whatever so okay so let's probably start measuring stuff you know and we were like okay 191 and we were off by 20 inches yeah but still dude 190 i mean that's a you don't pass that deer Nah, I don't think any, the only person I've ever heard of saying you can't he passes a 190 was Adam Hayes. Yeah, and he says because you can't kill a 200 if you shoot a 190. That's right. <laughs> and I'm thinking the guy he's like must got a screw loose or something. He not you know he just wants mm-hmm. to shoot 200, which so I get it. But he's got a, there's a video of him passing a 190 inch deer because he was hunting a 200 inch deer on that same farm. I'm like, my goodness, this guy is on another level. Do you think that you could have passed that deer if he come by you? No, I would have shot that deer last year if I had the opportunity okay. at 170. He was not. He, I would have shot him last year, no question. And it just proves a point, right? Like where, like you, you hunt to hunt, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you have a certain amount of, you know, like the rest of us. But if you're picking out a certain deer, but if that deer of that caliber that you are chasing walks by you, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if I'm hunting this same property next year and a 150 inch deer walks by, he's. Uh, He's gonna get an arrow shot at him because right. I'm not a 150 inch deer gets me gets my heart racing. I mm-hmm. mean 140 does, but those ones get the pass. Yeah. Um, but 150 or better, it doesn't. I mean, following a deer like this, I mean, uh, it's gonna get me just as excited as this deer did. Mm-hmm. So. Well, why don't we put this thing right in four wheel drive, man? Why don't we you tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and mm-hmm. a little bit about what you do? Yep. So my name is Jason Thomas. I'm from born and raised and live in Ohio. Um, Situated directly between Cleveland and Columbus. Um, I uh, grew up, you know, started in, at a young age in the outdoor industry, or not, not outdoor industry, mm-hmm. but in the outdoors. Uh, my dad was a trapper. Um, he would trap, you know, when he'd get laid off through the winter. Um, he would run trap lines. He would deer hunt, rabbit hunt. Um, and um, he introduced me to the outdoors at a very early age. Uh Bought me a little Rossi 410 single shot and took me out rabbit hunting and then that led to squirrel hunting and then I wanted to try and shoot a deer so we went and bought a Horton crossbow um, and you know it just slowly evolved into you know I focused more on hunting than I did other things and it you know that became a real passion you know ginseng hunting, royal mushroom hunting, shed hunting, turkey hunting it was anything I could do to be outside I mean I was that's what I was going to do. Um, but, um, but yeah, I've been, I bought my first compound back in 2010. So, um, you know, I've been compound hunting for a while, you know, I shot this deer with a crossbow, but, um, you know, anything I can do to get in the outdoors, you know, I'm going to do it. And, uh, for work, I I work in construction. Uh, I work for a local company called Simonson Construction. Um, and, uh, you know, it allows me to, um, get out be in the outdoors a little bit more you know i used to work and travel a lot and i I, you know didn't do as much hunting as i wanted to and you know now i'm able to do do a lot more of it um so yeah i mean that's that's pretty much my life so so you grew up as an outdoorsman like it's it's in your blood yeah my in my yeah and my dad in 1989 he shot the at the time it was the state record in ohio typical with a uh with a crossbow it was an old uh, foxfire crossbow 
So, you know, I got so that. So you're not new to 200-inch deer. I grew up with a 200, <laughs> it gross 214-inch deer hanging on the wall that everybody, when they came in, where's your dad's deer? I want to see it. And it'd be hanging right there, and you'd everybody just look at it and like, man, that thing's huge. And, I, you know, it was huge because the deer right below it that he had mounted was, you know, 120-inch nine-pointer, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so you got to see the difference in, you know. So so what 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 kind of is the story of your dad's deer? So, um, he was, uh, <clears throat> I know this podcast is about you, but I really want to mm-hmm. hear, just, no, that's to, fine. just to set the stone of yeah, what's that's going fine. on. Um, yeah. So the story is, um, he was running a trap line and he was going, he was out checking traps one morning and it was, I, I think it was the first part of all or first part of November and he's running out, running, checking traps and he sees a driving down a side road and he had heard that there was a big deer in this area. Um, it was on a family farm. Um, mm-hmm. It's still in the family. Ma- matter of fact, it's the same farm I shot. I've shot my first two deer I killed on that farm. Um, and m- within 20 yards of where my dad shot this deer. And um, driving down the road, for you know, early morning, sun's just coming up, and he looks out with a doe standing 70 yards off this road in a cut cornfield there's you know this deer standing there looking at him as he's driving by and my dad thought i have got to kill you know i've got to get this deer um and from that it basically trapping was an afterthought he went i I don't know if he pulled all his traps or what he did but he hunted every day to kill that deer um i mean he took it as far as back then you know there wasn't really you know there he was you know washing his clothes hanging outside putting them in trash bags with he'd go to the went to that farm and was picking up leaves and stuff and putting them in there you know trying to control his scent um but you know he's hunting with a like a camo real tree you know a, a like a cotton coat or something mm-hmm. a, with a carhartt underneath of it you know nothing fancy you know leather boots you know it wasn't what it is today with an aluminum uh four foot long crossbow you know and he would climb up in a tree there was a tree and he could there was a branch where he could stand on it and like lean in the crack of this tree and that's where he would he'd climb up in the tree. There weren't tree stands unless you built one. Right. And I, it was the day after Thanksgiving. He, uh, um, that buck come, he had crossed one of the highways and come up out of the swamp and come up. He was, you know, checking scrapes. And uh, my dad rattled and he came on a dead sprint and shot him at eight yards. Wow. Yep. So day after Thanksgiving. And how old were you at that time? Uh, in the pictures... My my mom was pregnant with me at the time, okay. so and so, I'm in the pictures. You just right, can't right, see right. Me. Of course, right. So, yeah. so, so you were you were born around. I mean, yeah. it was yeah, <laughs> as I you was, woke up. I mean, as you were born and grew up, and all your deer, buddies. Yeah, and that deer. Yeah, that deer was in the house my entire life. Yeah, that's so. like the fair, f- family heirloom over the yeah, over it, the woods. Yeah, and now it's now it's at my house. My dad, uh, they moved, and he's like, "Why don't you just take that to your house?" So I put it on the wall. Was this before or after you had shot your deer? before oh yeah so it was like the good luck omen yeah of the so house. everybody's like what's that one i'm like oh well that's my dad's that's his you know 200 inch deer <laughs> and now like i'm holding now i now i have one and right. i get to hold it up next to it and you look at it and um his isn't frame wise and time length i mean his is a big it's a seven mainframe 14 pointer it's right. like 17 scoreable points so uh, more points smaller frame but it it grosses bigger than mine that's crazy yeah. That's just wild to me, man. That that one family, two two hundred inches yeah. in the same area, like yeah, 
and well, and my uncle or my cousin, uh, I got a cousin, Kevin, he, uh, his, it's a giant heavy deer. He shot it during shotgun season in 2006, I believe Mm -hmm. it nets 186. Wow. So it nets bigger than this deer. That's insane. Um, but big, it's got a big drop tine, mm-hmm. but it's a net typical because, I mean, other than that drop tine, it's pretty much a giant 10-pointer with over, I mean, well over 50 inches of mass. It's just huge. That's incredible. Yeah. So so take us into the story of this buck. Does it, have you named him? Do you have a name or are you just, it's just a I, dead deer? I did not name this deer. I thought about it and it just, uh, I couldn't think of a name. Um I just would call him the deer. I'm the like, hey, deer. I'm going to go look for the deer, that deer tonight. I'm going to go scout for that deer. And it was, you know, some people call it the Thomas buck or the Jason Thomas. Well, you know, yeah. that's always yeah, seems that's like you always have, you know, there's the Beatty buck, and, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, so. The Huff buck and all the, the Huff yeah. buck, yeah. So, you know. No longer you know, the C.J. Alexander buck. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that seems like the name, you know, the, the name of the person is the name of the deer, you know. Um, but. So the story of the steer, it started three years ago, um, you know, hunting the same piece of property, running trail cameras. I got pictures of, you know, there was some other bigger, definitely way bigger deer on the farm mm-hmm. that I was at targeting, but there was this big, I just called him the big eight. And my cousin hunts, you know, somewhat close and I'd show him, he, you know, I'm like, yeah, I saw the big eight tonight or pictures of the big eight, you know, just, you know, 19, 20 inches wide, um, you know. 10 inch tine, 10 inch G2s, probably eight inch G3s. And just, you could tell it's just a, you know, a big two and a half year old, you know, with three, four inch brows. And he was just a big, you know, he just, he was impressive when you saw him, like mm-hmm. he got your, you know, and I'd seen him a lot that year, saw him a lot during bow season, gun season, late season. I had to, I killed my deer late season that year. So I was hunting all, all through to the end of uh, January and saw that deer all the time. And <clears throat> told myself i'm not going to shoot this deer you know he's only 140 inch eight pointer i don't i'm not gonna shoot him so you know going into 2022 i'm thinking to myself okay i got we let's find this big eight he he made it i know he did he was on the farm after season i know he lived so um i was running uh cutty back cameras i run the cutty link system on this farm and put the cameras up and had high hopes and never got a picture of that deer um and a neighbor to the or a friend to the west of me was sending me pictures this giant nine pointer big wide tall tines short brow tines and i'm like you know giant tines just this huge frame nine pointer probably 170 inch deer and i thought to myself man that's got to be that big eight pointer you put pictures side by side and they look identical Mm -hmm. just heavier taller wider and um then my cousin to the east of me a couple miles gets a picture late season it was like december um and actually laid eyes on him he went out hunting with his boy that night and had him come by at 80 yards um they were you know hunting with a bow didn't have a shot but he told me he goes man that deer is big he's a he's really big when you see him in person and to my knowledge nobody killed him nobody picked up any sheds um, but nobody killed him so i'm thinking to myself man so all summer i'm texting buddies of mine like i'm like hey got your cameras out yeah I'm like you getting any pictures or anything because you know no nothing yet you know i'm thinking come on dude he, he, this buck if he's around i don't have him mm-hmm. my cousin doesn't have him 
The only other person I know that had him on a farm last year was this other guy. So I'm texting him. And afterwards, he's like, man, I wonder why you kept asking me if I had pictures of deer. He's like, now I know why. He's like, you were trying to figure out where this thing was at. I said, uh, yeah, absolutely. I knew he was had to have been around unless he got hit on the road. But uh, he, uh, it was August 14th. I was tra- uh, clearing some trails and cutting wood. And I went back in there and I was going to hang my cameras. And... Um, this part of the woods where I don't mess, I don't go in at all during season. And I go back in there and eight, I had eight bucks come out of the field, this bean field, and walk right in front of me. And this deer was the second to last one. And, I mean, he's at 40 yards walking full velvet August 14th. I got a nine-minute video on my cell phone. You know, I'm standing there holding my cameras. And I got my phone leaning up against a tree trying not to get seen. And... I'm is he thinking, full growth at that? He's not full growth at that time. He was pretty much full growth. You I could mean, tell. You could, oh gosh, yeah, you could tell. He looks exactly <laughs> like, I mean, so then I, I'm thinking, my, I texted a buddy. I go, I just saw a absolute giant. I said, it could be potentially, it could push it. I said, this deer could be pushing the state record. You know, not knowing that he, you know, he had a little crab claw and some other stuff going on. But at the time, I, you just seen the width of the frame mm-hmm. and the giant tines. So <clears throat> I put up a, the cameras and went home. I bought four more cuttybacks, went and put them up. So I got 10, 10 cameras on this property trying to get pictures of this deer. And that night I got a picture. That night I set that camera, I got a picture of him coming up, going back into that bean field. Mm-hmm. So then it, you know, it turned into, um, you know, I started I, knocking on doors. I started, you know, asking people to, for, for trying to get more permission in the area just right. so, you know, because the deer last the year before never stepped foot on the property I hunted, so in my mind I'm thinking, do I just hunt this farm mm-hmm. and hope that he's you know I obviously he's close now, right? But if he once he changes you know sheds velvet, is he going to leave? Is he going to so go did to he summer and winter on your property, or at least summered there? He, he summered, yeah, yeah, he summered there. Had there been any sheds up to this point? Nope, none still, none. still none. Nobody's come forth with anything. Nothing. People sent me pictures. Uh, no, it's not him. Because uh, I, you know, they're you like, know him all the way through all the steps. Yeah, so I know like that's not you know it. The guy sent me a giant five point side, but it was perfect, heavy, tall. He goes, yeah, I found this one last year. Uh, you know, and he somewhat close. And I thought to myself, uh, that's not him. But, but that thank year you. is big thank you yeah like <laughs> thank you. okay now i have it there's no way i mean it's it's like when i say somewhat close 10 miles oh geez yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. So. now now my question is so the property that you're putting those cameras on and you've seen him summering how big is that piece of property um or does that okay it, it's not very big okay I'll put that's it that all, way. okay it's, that's all i needed to know i i mean you would consider it a farm it's it's a it's not i wouldn't cons- it's not a farm right um because I'm just trying to think, and you're small. saying that you're going and getting other pieces of property to put the pu- pieces of the puzzle together, but then knowing that that deer is not on your property, you haven't seen him at this point on your property. Correct. Yeah. So I was, you know, I knocked on a door, you know, on a hundred acre piece of, you know, a farm. Mm-hmm. There's another one is 80 acres. Then I'm stopping, you know, knocking on. Right. This. Okay. Well, I know this deer came into the, you know, was in this area. So I'm going to knock on this guy's door. He's got right. four acres. Maybe he'll let me hang a camera back mm-hmm. here. Maybe he'll let me hunt. I don't know. It's just the access um, point, right? Yeah, that's just it's just more opportunity to get cameras in different places and mm-hmm. figure out where this deer's at. And um, 
I had a guy, I had a farmer who was on the opposite side of the road from where this deer, where I'd seen this deer. But he's like, yeah. I, he goes, no, I don't allow hunting. I said, well, can I, am I allowed to go back and just, can I, you know, go back with my spotting scope and just glass and look? He goes, eh, I suppose that'd be okay. And I said, well, I'll just park right here by your barn so you know when I'm here. I said, you know, I'll be back there. So I would, I would get on this guy's property hike all the way to the back side of his farm, just a glass through a field across the road to another field so I could see where this deer was at because that was the only vantage point where I could, you know, see this deer. Right. Um, and it, I was up higher for where this deer was at. If you drove down the road, you couldn't see it. Right. So um, that keeps them, you know, yeah. So that's why, so I was up high and I could see where these deer were coming from. So I would just sit there, you know, last hour of light and watch. And it was just every night, just, he, co- he wouldn't come in the same he most of the time he'd come in the same spot and one night i'm i'm watching this this little tractor path where they come out of this woods like clockwork and they walk right past this dude's house when i say right past i'm talking 50 yards in a bean field and i'm thinking man this guy he, he wouldn't let me hunt he told right. me i could groundhog hunt he's like yeah you can groundhog hunt i'm like and he's told me i could put up cameras i'm like ah, come on dude come on let me and i wrote him a, I, I, I mean i went i wrote him a, i wrote a letter and put it in his mailbox and the guy, you know, he, he didn't ever call me back. So then I start knocking on his door, and he won't answer. So then I run into the guy. I'm out, and I run into the guy. And I said, hey, Mr. So-and-so, I said, I, I put a letter in your mailbox about hunting. He goes, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to call you back. He goes, I don't allow any deer hunting. He said, but you can come groundhog hunt. And I'm thinking to myself, man, you've got to have seen this deer. You got to know why I'm knocking on your door. Right. Um, and he he didn't he never ended up letting me. But um, did he end up seeing the deer? Does he know the deer? I never asked him. Right. Um, I I the I, I use the um, approach some as you know less is more. I don't want right. to say, hey, have you seen that giant deer that's standing behind your house? And he'll say, what deer? And then he goes and shoots it. He goes and shoots it, or, or he has a friend that he's close with that he'll allow to deer And say, hunt. hey, man, some, this is big deer. You want to come shoot him? You know, I didn't want any of that to happen. So I was just saying, you know, you know, do you guys, you know, and he didn't ever let me hunt. I had another person let me put some trail cameras up, so I did that. And this guy that, you know, I would go watch his field, and, you know, I had, I'd get velvet pictures of this deer almost every night. I would see this deer every night. And once I figured out, okay, the deer's not leaving, then I started going like a couple times a week. But I would still drive around, you know, and if I didn't see the deer, you know, I was, okay, well, maybe he's in this field and I'd go look. Or, and um, once he shed his velvet, I never laid eyes on him in person once he shed his velvet. Um, he was just, it was like a clockwork when he had velvet on. But as soon as he shed his velvet, he was gone. He, I mean, I, I watched that field for two weeks. And he never stepped foot out in that field with velvet, without velvet. I would get some, I would get pictures of him, so I knew he was had to been close to that field. But he was not coming out in daylight. He was not with the bachelor group of bucks, you know. And I'm watching his bachelor group, you know, the young deer. The, okay, this deer shed, this deer shed, this deer shed. They're still coming out. He's he's coming out with them. And then it's like he's the last deer that hasn't shed. He's still coming out. And then I go out there the next night. Here come all the bucks, and he's not with them. Like almost instantaneously once he lost his mm-hmm. velvet. It was like the next night. Like I'm like, well, where'd he go? And a couple of days goes by, I get a picture of him, and he's hard-horned. And then it, from there, the pictures became less and less and less and less frequent. So my I immediately like started 
panicking. So, you know, I, I, I went and, um, um, would drive, I would start, I started driving around thinking, okay, he's not in this field no more. Mm -hmm. He has got to be, he's got to be on a neighboring property or he's got to be, you know, I, he, maybe he transitioned. So then, you know, that's when I text my buddy. Hey, have you gotten any pictures? You, you know, you, right. you after any good ones this year? <laughs> and he'd send me a picture of one. I'm like, crap, that's not him. You know, like, but that's a nice one. You well, know, he I'm, just wasn't showing all of his cards. He never had a picture of that. Oh, year. he never had. Okay. Not this year. No, okay. he didn't. No, he said, he goes, dude, I never saw that. You know, he's like, that was him last year for sure. But he goes, I never saw him this I year. I just thought maybe he wasn't playing no, all of his cards. No, he does. You know, he's, he's poker face. Yeah. You. And he's like, he knows like, he knows where I killed the deer. Right. He's not even, you know, he's not going to try and come hunt next to me because, I mean, he's killing, he killed a 180 inch deer this year. Right. He's got good. Yeah, you know. yeah, he's doing the same thing, <coughs> but you, you've now fell in love with this deer and that's, you yeah. set your mind on that deer. Yeah. So, um, he, he started, he, you know, he became less and less frequent, but he was coming in. I planted a food plot. Mm -hmm. He's coming in the food plot at night, sometimes, you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock. So not far after dark, you know, in September. So he's around. Um, he's around. Um, but then, you know, it became, you know, I, I mean, it, I went a couple of weeks, no pictures and I'm just like sick to my stomach. And I had almost been like, you know what? I couldn't, cannot figure out where this deer's at. I don't know. I, I'm driving properties. I'm asking people. I'm looking in fields, like mm -hmm. nothing. So a couple, after I killed him, a couple people, um, to the South of where I hunted and, you know, good ways away said that, oh yeah, I got a picture of that deer one, one, one night or. Then another guy, not even, you know, uh, you know, to the east, yeah, I got a picture of that deer one, you know, one morning or something. So I don't know if he was just started just roaming around. And then eventually he came back because the week I killed him, he showed up in the food plot at like, it's like an hour after dark. So what was the date that you ended up killing him? Uh, October 28th. Oh, I so think. it's, okay. Yeah. Season opens, open September 29th or 20 or 30th. Mm -hmm. It's the first sat or last Saturday in September is when it opened. So, so it, was, it was about four weeks in the season and I had hunted a lot. Right. Um, you know, just trying to, he, I had a daylight picture of him the week before season. Um, I had put out some, uh, uh, some analogics. Um, I think it's like their gold max or something. It's just mm -hmm. like a protein feed. It's got soybeans, you know, uh, soybeans, corn, um, and sunflower seeds in it and some protein stuff. I put that out with some apples and pears and, I get a picture of him the Saturday before season opens and there he is at, you know, an hour after dark or an hour, you know, an hour after sunrise. And you're licking your chops. And I'm like thinking, you're please, like, yeah. okay, he's here. <laughs> please stay around. You've got seven days. Right. And yeah. that was the only daylight picture I got of him. Just one. That's wild. Yeah. So did you end up putting the pieces of the puzzle together? Like where he, um, no, went or no, I did not. Um, I, <laughs> No, I don't want to say that I put the pieces together, no. Or I, understanding what he was <clears throat> doing. Now, after I've talked to some people, I think I know where he was staying. Right. Seeing where he came from that morning. Now, he ended up betting on the property where I hunted the morning I killed him. Um, but he came from a property where I think he was spending more of his time. A non-hunting property? Um, A little bit of hunting. Um, yeah. You know, n not any bow hunting. Um, they do a little bit of gun hunting. Late season gun hunting. Yeah, they'll come out and you know come out and gun hunt. I, they got you know, um, yeah, they do they do a little bit of hunting. Yeah. So that guy ended up actually telling me he's like, yeah, I saw that deer. He's in my front yard a couple times. And I'm thinking, and you didn't go buy a crossbow and try and shoot him, or you know, 
Yeah, but to some people, it's it yeah. is what it is. Yeah. Oh, I seen that big buck. You know, yeah. like it's a it's a different thing because like guys like us, we live, breathe, and die yeah. to just try and shoot big deer. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Where some people are just like, that's a big deer. You know, like it's a or maybe they just you know they don't really maybe realize what they're looking at. I mean, obviously it's a mm-hmm. big deer. Like, oh, that's a really big deer. Maybe they don't quite realize what that big of a deer means some of us are just ate up in that you know what i'm saying yeah. like we surround ourselves with mm-hmm. chasing big deer and seeing yeah, big you could deer probably put a 250 inch deer on some people's property and they could care less yeah or they just go oh my god that's that big there's a big buck yeah. on my property. like but what is a big buck in conception like if somebody sees this deer they're just gonna be like oh my god i saw this giant mm-hmm. deer it's out past his ear you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like it's it's totally oh, different yeah. I, he had to have been at least a 12 pointer that's what you hear oh he's at least a 10 pointer yeah. 12 pointer and i'm thinking okay that doesn't mean he was big no <laughs> guys like us are like all right what the g2 look like how's the brow tines you know was yeah. he yeah you know <laughs> yeah that's yeah we pick it apart other people i think it was at least a 10 or a 12 pointer he looked pretty big yeah and everything's know. a 12 pointer if it's mm-hmm. if it's big right yeah the bigger it is the more points it adds it was 14 points no yeah. what <laughs> uh, yeah that's that's funny that's that's exactly how it is my mom will be like yeah i saw a big deer he, he looked like he was at least i mean probably an eight or a 10 pointer he was pretty big and i'm thinking okay well was it a you know 100 inch eight pointer 100 10 inch 10 pointer i don't know but that right. looks big to a lot of people yeah, driving yeah. down the road and your mom's seen 200 inch deer yeah, that's the only thing. My mom is, I mean, she pro- she knows what a big deer, because right. I, I mean, I'm showing pictures. and you know, she, She's she, had she them on the up, wall. They, she comes and looks, my, my parents come over and check out my deer you right, know, right. when we kill them. And, mm-hmm. So yeah, they know, it, you know if it's little or you it's know, a big deer. But right. um, So yeah, so back to the deer. Um, after, after I killed him, uh, I had a guy stop by. He goes, man, he says, I saw that deer. I was, he goes, did you kill the big one? And it's funny because he does it. He kind of he every year will stop by because last year my wife shot a big 160 some inch 12. Mm-hmm. The year before I shot a uh, 173 inch 15 pointer. Um, you know, so we're shooting good deer, and every year he'll stop by. Hey, I heard you shot the big one. And I this so this I said, well, wh- how how big is it? He goes, he's really big. You know what I'm talking about. I said, you got a picture of him? He goes, yeah, I got pictures of him. He was coming to my apples every day so he starts showing me pictures and i'm look okay that okay that's 10 minutes after shooting light that's 20 minutes before shooting light like in the evenings i'm like okay and i can see this this dude's apples from my tree stand we're about 80 yards apart and i'm like thinking okay all right okay i didn't have pictures of him that day i didn't hunt that day but there he is standing at that dude's apple and i'm like he's showing me his picture i'm thinking i'm like well so where is he coming from and he's like oh he's coming down and coming um there's a fence. He was. He's like, yeah. They, there's a fence that's broken right there, and they, they come through that fence. And I'm like, man, I would have never guessed they would have traveled through there. He's like, yeah, they all come out right there. And then he's like, yeah, that buck come out um, Friday night. I was at a football game, home playoff game, and the night before it was the night before I killed him. And he goes, yeah, he, I was hunting. He come. He goes, I, I couldn't. He goes, I knew you weren't hunting. I could see your stand. He said, uh, he come out right underneath your tree stand. And he goes, I grunted at him, and he took off running and ran right back into the woods under your stand. And I'm like thinking, you've got to be kidding me, you know? I, you know, looking back, like man, that could have been potentially my only opportunity to see that deer. Who knows? He's right underneath your nose right the whole time. Yeah, he's, you know, the, so the deer was close. I don't know, eighty if, yards, hundred. Maybe yards. he was seeing me come in and get up in my stand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was hunting different stands on the property. 
depending on the wind. But I had hunted that particular stand, you know, maybe six or seven times. Um, that stand was all, you know, that's an evening stand. And, you know, looking back, I'm thinking, okay, well, where he was, the, the trail that those that comes out of this thicket on this neighbor's property, and he come out of that thicket the morning um, the morning I shot him, mm-hmm. and he come out of that thicket and come into the corn and end up bedding in the corn. So I'm thinking maybe he was bedded in that thicket and was just kind of staying on that piece of the property and not coming, you know, into where I was at. Um, mm-hmm. And and they had just cut that cornfield, um, I think, the, that week, earlier that week, into silage. So maybe that's why he was – and I think I saw that deer one, one time. I was hunting that same stand that I was referring to right the night they – the day they cut that silage. And, um, I, lo- I was, I could see deer at the far end of this field, probably 300, 350 yards away. So I climbed down and got over this big rock. There's a, right on the property line and you can climb up on him. It's a, you know, giant rock. I climb up on this rock and I'm looking and it's after shooting light. And I can just see, you know, with your binoculars, you can see late and I'm looking, I see this giant big frame, but there was another decent deer that, you know, score wise is not that great, but he was big deer. I'm like, man, I just can't tell looks like a giant frame mm-hmm. but at 400 yards with dingy lighting and you know you're using the the tree line as the backdrop to kind of cast or you know shade his yep. you know see his antlers i'm thinking okay was it him or was it that other deer or you know you know i didn't know mm-hmm. but i put a camera down there um you know never got i never got a picture of him down that way but um he uh so i guess to get farther in the story he um the morning I killed him, that next, after the next morning, I decided, um, I was going to hunt that Saturday. Um, I didn't know that that deer was under my stand the night before I found out after I killed him. But that morning I went in and I had hunted a stand. I had not hunted that yet this year. And it was, it had rained all night. Um, you know, I was contemplating getting down. Um, it was a slow morning. You know, a lot of times late October mornings are I don't hunt them early. You know, I'll start hunting them late October sometimes on the weekends. And, you know, I figured it rained. I can get in quiet. Corn's still up. You know, I can slip in, slip out easy. Nothing's really going to see me. So um, I'm getting ready. I'm thinking, you know, okay, I'm going to get down. And it's 930 in the morning. And I look down to the south end of this field. And there's a little bit of a, I call it a waterway, but it's not actually a waterway. Just where the... The crops, it's wet, and the corn mm-hmm. doesn't grow very tall, and there ends up being weeds and stuff in there. And he walks right up right up through there, walking right towards me, 200, 250 yards away. And immediately, you know, it's like my heart's racing. You know, I'm, I look like my binoculars, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, there he is. Uh, you know, and he's coming in. And I'm thinking, okay, he's going to come right up through here. He's going to hit this. He's going to come over, hit this tree line, and probably walk right up. You know, because to my, to my left is where I was getting all my pictures of him. Well, um, he didn't. He ended up bedding just off that waterway in the cornfield. I watched him get into the corn and watched him lay down. What is your emotions at that point? Like? And I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm immediately like, I'm still thinking, okay. I, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm thinking, okay, uh, should I grunt? Should I rattle? Um, you know, what should I do? Should I? But you didn't know at this point that somebody had grou- gr- grunted at him the no, night before. No, and that's a, that's one thing. I do carry a grunt tube with me. I sometimes I bring my rattle bag or antlers. Um, I don't use them eh, very often because more times than not, I've grunted at a deer, they're going the other way. 
and they're going the other way quick. Ohio's notorious for that. I don't know why. It's because of hunting pressure. The pressure, right. Every Because it's tons of little 20, 30, 40-acre pieces that you, they're all being hunted. Mm-hmm. And a deer, if he's chasing a doe during the rut, that deer might run across. That He might go in front of 10, 15 different hunters that day on 10, 15 different properties running a doe in a little mile block of, you know, um, land. Mm-hmm. And people are... They see them and they're snorting, wheezing at them, or bleat, you know, the little bleat can, yeah, or yeah. grunting at them. Or, mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I mean, the biggest deer, not that before this one, uh, biggest deer I'd ever seen on the hoof. I had him come through at 60 yards. He was che- it was middle of November. He'd been checking. Mm-hmm. He was checking scrapes, and I let him get down past me, and I hit a grunt at him. He turned and he looked my way, and he blew, and he hauled ass the other direction. And I thought to myself, I'm never going to do that again. So I don't, you know, so, but the thought crossed my mind, mm-hmm. you know, you start thinking, you almost get desperate. You're trying to throw everything You're thinking at like, okay, God, what, you know, how, what, I, this deer's bedded down. Do I wait? Do I see her all day? Do I get down? What do I do? Do I come back tonight? Or do I try and get in that other stand? And <clears throat> my wind, I was north of this deer. The wind was bl- coming out of the northwest. So he's blowing south east. And, you know, he couldn't smell me where I was at and he couldn't see me. So I decided I'm going to get down a little breezy out. He's bedded in corn. I got down and I left. I went home, called a buddy of mine. Mike, I say buddy, it's my cousin called him. I'm like, dude, you know, here's the situation. He's like, get your little stool. I, and we, we were talking. I'm like, I, I'm going to crawl. I think I'm going to try and crawl in. I had a mowed path along the cornfield. I said, I'm going to crawl in there and I'm going to get in the weeds and I'm going to wait. And I'm just going to sit there and wait. And he said, well, you got a stool or anything? I go, yeah, I got a little tripod thing, but I go, I'll just sit on my butt or sit on my knees. He's like, dude, don't do that. He said, you need to be prepared to sit there all day. He says, you want to be somewhat comfortable. So I have a little fold-out tripod that's got a little, like, you know, fabric seat on it that's the size of a small cookie plate. And, you know, I crawl in there. I got it over my in my left hand, my bow's over my shoulder, and I'm literally crawling on my hands and knees, you know, to try and get in range of this deer. And I get to where I want to be, and um, I, I went into the cornfield, you know, started to work my way up that waterway and realized, like, yeah, this probably isn't going to work because um, there's just – I was going to have to – I couldn't sit down and be comfortable in the corn without brush, brushing up against mm-hmm. corn and stuff. So I backed back out and got on the south side of that waterway. <clears throat> and on the south side of that trail, on the west side of that waterway, and, you know, thought to myself, okay, if he comes down the waterway, I have a shot. There's a scrape to my left. I have a mock scrape. Um, uh, if he gets up and he goes over that scrape, because he'd come through that scrape that morning, if he comes over to that scrape, I'll have a shot. So I sat in the weeds and just waited. And at, you know, 2.30 in the afternoon, I'm looking, I'm playing video games on my phone, and I look up, and he's head's bobbing. Here he comes, walking right down the waterway. Wind's hitting him right in the back of the head. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, immediately, like, I just, I had... I just dropped my phone onto the ground. I didn't put it in my pocket. I was just like, I looked up and I had my bow already positioned and I was, cause I was using a crossbow and mm-hmm. I had my body positioned where all I had to do was just, just grab the bow and get up. And <clears throat> I ranged him. He was at 35 yards and he stopped and he was like scratching his back with his antlers, looking to the opposite way of me. And I got to like a half crouch standing position and was getting ready to shoot. And he spins and he turns and he walks right to me. He's walking right. I mean, I'm looking at his eyeballs in the scope. 
and he's you know weaving coming through the little stalks of corn and he's 25 yards 20 yards 15 yards and he's just walking right at me and i'm thinking if he keeps coming and he gets to this trail that i've mowed and he comes this he's going to be at three three yards three feet i don't know i mean it's just wide enough to get a ranger on and i'm the, you got the corn the trail and then me in the weeds and he's coming right to me and he kind of weaves his head through a couple corn stalks and he stop you can i look and, and he looks right at me and he stops and he like you know how when they like perk up their neck and their ears and they look at you and that's what something's he did. not right and he's he like perks up and he looks at me and he like and his tail's flickering and I immediately think, okay, I'm going to have to shoot him in the chest. I'm going to do a frontal. People do it all the time, elk hunting. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'll do it, you know. Deadly shot if you know it. If you do it right. Otherwise, you stick them too high in the neck, and you hit all meat, and they'll live. Right. And I'm, I'm like, thinking, oh, my, he's getting ready to run. I've got to shoot him. So he spent here. He p- kind of positions his back legs a little bit to where he's getting to ready to run to his right, my left. You can tell, like, he's getting ready to spin and run. And I thought to myself, as soon as he spins – like, I'm, I'm just going to m- move the crosshairs and squeeze the trigger. And that's exactly what happened. He, like, planted and blew and went to spin. And right when he did that, I just moved and squeezed the trigger. And you heard, a, you know, the whack. And he's running through the corn. You know, all heck breaks loose. And, you know, it's just uh, just crazy. You can hear you know, him. You can hear him just mowing corn over. And I'm thinking, you know, and then, you know, it gets quiet. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, he's out of the cornfield. And, um... You know, I immediately, I'm like, called my cousin. I go, dude, I just shot him. He goes, no way. I'm like, yeah, dude, I shot him at 15 yards. He come right down to me. He's like, you're kidding me. I said, dude, I'm serious. I'm like, I just shot him. And he goes, oh, my gosh, dude, that's awesome. He goes, he goes, well, he's like, let me know if you need any help. He goes, but remember, he said, don't, he said, try, he said, go up and look for your air. He said, but get out of there. He goes, be quiet and get out of there. So I went up, I looked for my arrow, I looked for blood, tracks, hair, anything. And I couldn't find, and I'm looking like, in, you know, it had rained all night. So, you mm-hmm. know, I'm thinking, there's got to be tracks in here somewhere. Right. I'm looking, I can't find nothing. I'm thinking like, this thing's a ghost. There's no, I can't find a track or nothing. You're so distraught at this point. And, uh, yeah, so but many you almost black out. I mean, you're yeah. thinking, you're just, mind's going, you're just going everywhere. You know, did I hit him in the shoulder? Did I hit him in the rear end? Did I hit him in the leg? Did I hit him in the neck? I don't know. I mean, it just all happened just so fast. So I back out, I go get my, my ranger, and I head home, and uh, I call, I call him, I'm like, hey, you know, I called my cousin, I'm like, hey, I need, I'm going to need some help. So, you know, we wait a couple hours, hour, I don't even know how long it was, and we head back over there and uh, get to where the shot was, and he's like, well, let, you know, where, where did he go? I'm like, well, he went this way. He's like, all right, well, let's just walk up here slow. He's like, get an arrow ready. So, you know, I had my bow cocked through an arrow in. And uh, or a bolt, and uh, I've gotten in trouble. People say he keeps referring to arrows, but a crossbow is a bolt. Oh, I'm like, well, God. arrow, bolt, whatever, you know. So we start working on, you know, easing up through the corn, and he's like, hey, there's blood, you know. And then you're like, you know, it's everywhere, both sides, you know, it's everywhere, you know, all over the corn, all over the ground. And he's like, dude, he didn't get far. So we just keep moving, just walking. I mean, you even have to. You couldn't even stay in the the rows of corn. You had blood all over you. You know, it'd be, right, right, right. You um, can almost sprint down the. Oh blood yeah, trail. you just you just as fast as you could walk, and we get up. And he was kind of, it was oddly enough, he was in like an open area in the cornfield, was where he died, and uh, you know he went maybe 120 yards, and he had um, 
you know, double long, three inches behind the shoulder, complete pass through. I never found my bolt. My, my bolt. I never found my arrow. So it's tough when you're on the ground, anyways, right? Because it's a cornfield. That in thing, a cornfield, yeah. you know, shot out into a standing cornfield. I mean, it would have been tough. Yeah, that's why. Hopefully, it's, it's not in the farmer's tire. Well, hey, it is what it is. <laughs> Thanks for right? Yeah. What uh, what was kind of like the emotions as as you walk up on this deer? Because there's no ground it, shrinkage, there's no nothing. You at this point know that he's it very was, big, but not. Yeah, I mean the the and a lot of people are like, man, I, I don't know how you're keeping your. Do you realize what you did? I'm like, yeah, I I do. Right. But the. I mean, I was excited. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I was you know I almost like you just don't know what to think because. I've never been. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com.
in that scenario where I've put so much work into something, so much effort, and it actually come, you know, through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've shot some big deer, you know, or, you know, some good deer. Um, did I, I, but, you know, this deer, I was planting food pots. I was putting out supplements. I had feeders going. I mean, I was, I had 10 trail cameras. I was scouting glass, you know, I, that's all I could think about. You You're know? putting hundreds to thousands of hours into uh, this deer. I mean, that's what, yeah, I mean, I'm putting hundreds and hundreds of hours into this deer time you know i coach basketball so i'm trying to get to practices open gyms you know i'm trying to you know i got girls at home so i'm trying to do that i have a side business you know i'm, I'm trying to keep every and i have a job and i'm trying to keep everything in you know moving and still put time towards this deer and you know for it to come together it was almost like a huge just like oh my gosh i did it i i can't you know it's I, I got this deer. It mm-hmm. was almost like you, you just, I've never felt like that before, you know, to where it just was almost like there was so much pressure, you know, not, I didn't know only a couple of people knew I was after this deer. Um, I wouldn't, I didn't even send a picture to my mom and dad. No. Like, my dad's like, Hey, send me a picture of that deer you showed me. I said, I'm sorry, but I, I can't. What do you like, have to say? Come on, send me one. I said, I, I said, no, I said, I, I don't want anybody knowing I'm after this deer. Yeah, and your dad, you know, proud of you and whatever yeah, else. Well, he's but he would he would show people, mm-hmm. you know, he would be showing people, hey, look at the deer Jason's after, you know. And there was only a couple people I showed. Um, and you know, when I killed the deer, I you know told I texted one, I said, send him a picture of just the with just the rack, the side view of the rack, and I said, look, you know, I got him, and you know, I told you you'd get him, I told you you'd figure it out. I'm like, you know, and another buddy of mine actually called me or he saw the deer from a road and he called my cousin he's like man i just saw a giant and my cousin goes yeah yeah I, jason's after that deer he's got him he, you know he's hunting that deer he's after him he goes oh really he says yeah he's after him and uh i said he's like all right he's like well he goes i was going to try and figure out you know try and get a, figure out a way i could get over getting hunting that area he's like but if jason's after him i'll let him go and he texts me. He goes, man, he's like, he goes, that deer is special. I said, yeah, I know. I said, you know, I said, I'll send you some trail. I, I wouldn't even send, he's seen the deer, but I wouldn't send him pictures. So he knew the deer was there, you know, but he kept it a secret. He didn't tell nobody. He didn't? No. He, he's killed big deer too, so he knows right. how hard it is. I mean, he's at, been after some big deer. And but he respects deer. it. Yeah. You don't find that very often. No. Yeah, I was nervous. Like, man, if he tells a couple people, then those people tell somebody. And he didn't. He didn't. You have a hard enough time getting in on some of that property mm-hmm. and that. So, I mean, like, yeah, to I make knew, it tougher. I knew, you know, I cannot send. There's certain people I'm like, I, there's no way I can send a picture of this dude. So and you there, want you know, to. I wanted to. I didn't even text any pictures of my wife. She knew. Right, you know, right, She right. knew I'd show, every, I'd show everything. But she, you know. You would never, there was no trace of it. There was no, yeah. I mean, you know. You can see it on my phone. Two people, two people had pictures of it. I entrusted two people. Pictures, videos, I'd keep them, hey, man, you know, they'd be like, hey, have you seen that deer? Yeah, I saw him last night, or I saw him this morning, or whatever. You know, they say, you'll figure it out. You'll get him. Because big deer are like money, right? People get crazy. They get mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. And weird things do happen when you they'll put lease, a big deer in. You know, they'll lease ground out from under you, or pet, you know, whatever, or start hunting on the property lines. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's hard enough when a, it, the, that happens all the time with small deer. Right. 140, 50-inch deer, people yeah, they do it. They'll lose their mind. Yeah, let alone a deer that grosses over, you know, 211 and four-eighths of inches. So my my question is, and, and always when you have a caliper of deer this size, 
there always comes negativity behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like obviously, you know, I, you know, like you had said yourself, bolt, arrow, so on and so forth. So there's obviously been some type of negativity that has followed behind you shooting it with a crossbow. Mm-hmm. And like, is there like it? You know, when you hear other guys like, "Oh, he poached that deer," this, that, and the other thing, and like that kind of stuff. When it's a big deer like that, like it, you obviously have had to endure some of this. Yes. So, um, there was, you know, there, there's, uh, you know, there's criticism and most of it, it's from other hunters. You know, there, there was some stuff, I think, um, maybe, you know, my sister might have shared it or my wife might have shared it on mm-hmm. Facebook. I don't have Facebook, but you know, people comment like, I can't believe you have your kids, you know, with you standing next to that corpse and taking pictures, whatever. They're anti-hunters. Right. They're against it. That's fine. But it's the hunting community that's kind of... You know, it just like, you know, I hunt a lot out west, so I buy Sitka gear because it's right. pretty, you know, it's tactical. It's good for hunting out west. It's light. It's durable. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was wearing Sitka um, when I killed deer. Um, oh, so guys start talking about you wearing Sitka. And shooting. So guys are like, oh, judging by the Sitka and the crossbow, that deer probably cost at least 20 grand. You know, or that deer was, you know, that's def- 100% of preserved deer or 100% high defense or, you know. You know, talking about the crossbows, talking about the Sitka, or, you know, corn piles and crossbows, anybody can do it. It's like, uh, I mean, corn piles and crossbows, yeah, you can kill a deer, sure, in Ohio. But guess what? It's it's legal. Right. And, you know, this deer wasn't, I I was having a hard enough time getting this deer to, you know, eat in a food plot, let alone, and get pictures of him, let alone, I mean, he's not, this deer's not coming in and eating out of corn. This deer never once stepped foot in front, I have a feeder on the property. No, I don't have one picture of this deer at the feeder. You're not going to shoot big deer on a feeder. No, no. you're not going to shoot him on a corn pile neither. No. I never had him as a. I had this deer as a as an eight as as a three year old as an eight pointer. He was at that feeder, but not once as a four year old. Not once as a five year old. I was just going to say that a four year old, a hundred and thirty inch, hundred and forty inch, uh, four year old is not going to eat in a feeder in the daylight. It's just right. not going to happen Cause, because with with that feeder comes you know threat. Yeah. You know, and they they know that. Yeah, they 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 put they put the two together. I mean, I I think because a lot of, you know, some people that hunt, you know, that use that have that feed deer. Some people feed them year round. Right. Um, some people, as soon as guns, you know, a week before gun season, you start seeing all these corn piles out in the middle of mm-hmm. cornfields, in front of tree stands or ground blinds. And I think the deer. I mean, I think they put the two, they put two and two together. Especially mature deer. Yeah. And I wasn't trying to shed negative light on it. Mm-hmm. I was just bringing forth, you know, that there is that negativity but within the hunting community. That there is. There's every. There's no need know, for it. Um, because in your story, you respectfully, you hunted that deer mm-hmm. hard. You spent the time scouting that deer. You spent the time in the woods. You put all the pieces together. You didn't even shoot this thing out of a stand that you put all that time and effort mm-hmm. into. You shot it from the ground. Right. And just moving in and hunting. And I think a, a big part of it has to do, honestly, Jason, with with you is is the you have that woodsmanship. Mm-hmm. You you understand. The ways of you're a seasoned hunter or a seasoned outdoorsman, as we would say it. You forge, you trap, you understand the woodsmanship, and I think that's what made you successful in hunting this and and knowing what to do in the right time to make yourself successful. Because you could have just sat in that stand and been just like, but you held your composure, put the pieces of the puzzle together, and then made yourself successful. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it took it. it it wasn't an easy decision to, to say, okay, I'm going to get down on the ground. Right. And try and get down 
<clears throat> and try and get downwind of this deer and wait him out. Mm-hmm. Um, odds are it's not going to work. Right. Um, odds are he's going to get up and walk with the wind in his face, and I'd never see him again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I knew with the wind, the wind direction it was, it had rained all night. It rained a little bit that morning. Everything was wet. It was quiet. A little bit of wind in the corn. You know, the corn's loud if you're in, you know, if right. you've ever been standing corn. And I knew if I could get down there and just wait, even if he got up and went directly away from me and I never saw him again, right. then he would never have seen me. He wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't know I was there. And, you know, it's still a level playing field. As soon as he knows I'm there, if I grunt at him or if I call to him, <clears throat> he's going to know that I'm there. And then, you know, it's not, you know, that's a whole nother, that's why it's a whole nother level of difficulty to killing a deer. Now he knows I'm onto him. Right. That's what I don't want to do. That's what nobody wants to do. Not with a deer like, not, let alone no. a three-year-old, let alone a deer like this. You, know, you bumped that deer once, and now he's in three counties over. Especially a deer like that, he knows. Correct. Yeah, I did not want him going anywhere because um, there is hunting pressure around. I wanted him to stay feel safe as he what could on on the property I was hunting, and I want him to stay close. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was there was a you know, it took a lot to to get to that point where I said, okay, I've got you know, I got to make a move on this deer because I mm-hmm. like I said, I coach basketball, so I knew. You know, my basketball season started the following week. I had scheduled a couple of days off work prior to basketball season where I, was, I said, okay, I'm going to hunt dark to dark. I'm going to hunt all day. I'm going to schedule these couple of days off. If I need to take a third day, I will. Leading up to basketball season, it would have been the first, you know, first couple of days of um, November because historically the biggest deer that I have on camera, November 1st, 2nd, 3rd-ish mm-hmm. is when I've got daylight pictures of them cruising over the last three or four years. So I thought I'm going to take off. I got to take off th- two or three of those days and just sit. That's my best chance of killing this deer. Because as soon as basketball season starts, I go to work at six. I get off work at four thirty. Basketball's at five. Over at seven. Putting the girls to bed at seven thirty. There's no hunting going on no, for me. It's over. It's a full day mm-hmm. from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. So, you know, I knew like from that point forward, Saturdays and Sundays were going to be my only days to hunt. And it's going to get a lot more difficult because he's going to start chasing does. He's going to leave. He's going to go wherever. So I knew, you know, I had a picture of him that week in my food plot. I knew he was close. So I just figured, you know, and I, you know, when I saw him there, I'm like, okay, he's here. I'm watched in bed. I need to put, I need to put together a game plan to try and kill this deer. And that's what you did. And that's what it, and it you came captivated together. the opportunity. You know, it doesn't always, I, I, the, I tried this similar thing that, um, last year there was a big deer and he was bedding in this tree line and I could not, I couldn't, I just couldn't hunt him where he's bedding. And I decided that's when I bought that little stool. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to come in from a different prop, different way. And I'm going to sneak down this tree line. I'm going to get right on the edge of the tree line and I'm just going to slip on, slip into the tree line and wait for him. And when, you know, when the wind was right and he'll get up, he was coming out in this standing beans first week of season. And I did that. And I almost killed the deer, but, I, you know, he ended up getting out. He come out in the bean field, and here he comes. And, but instead of coming down the tree line, he kind of came t- angled towards me, but, you know, going across the field. So he was getting closer, but he was getting farther out into the field, and he eventually got – he was about 70 yards, and he eventually caught my wind, and the gig was up. And he never did that again. Jeez. So that was the one opportunity. So, you know, it didn't – I tried it the year before. It didn't work. So you have a lot of nerve going into it doing that this time yeah it was 
uh, it you was, have mixed feelings. I bet. Yeah, and and I mean, I'm thinking every every step. You know, I'm put. I'm on my hands and knees, and I'm just thinking, okay, you know, I'm I'm you know inching forward <laughs> on my hands and knees, trying to stay low. Think, you know, I know, I, you know, I map put it on my go hunt maps. I measured it out. I'm thinking, like, I'm going to be within 50 yards of this thing when I get set up. So I've got to be quiet. And the wind would start blowing, and I'd start moving a little bit quicker. And then oh it would my. calm down, so I'd slow down a little bit and really take my time. Right. And it was, it was, it was, I mean, it was stressful. That's it was wild. Very stressful. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, you got them. Yeah. That's incredible. And, you know, and, you know, it's, it's funny is, you know, there's, and I've said it before in the podcast here, is that you're no stranger to a 200 inch deer. You're not new to shooting big deer. This is not something you, you, there's a lot of people that just get lucky mm-hmm. and they shoot a big deer, but mm-hmm. you've been chasing big deer for a long time. Yeah. You're very well seasoned outdoorsman. And that's one thing that I, I really wanted to stress on in the podcast is there's some guys that just get lucky and shoot a big deer mm-hmm. and it's, Oh yeah, great. Congratulations. It's awesome. But somebody like yourself that is seasoned and is not, you know, is no stranger to big deer. Mm-hmm. It's cool to see when they succeed and they push that. Yeah, effort. I mean, I've I've gotten lucky and killed good deer before. Right. I mean, I really have. I mean, I mean, it's all luck. It, it, it's mostly <laughs> luck. Like, yeah. There, I mean, now, granted, like you can pattern a deer and get put yourself. You're, you're what you're mm-hmm. doing is you're putting yourself in the best position to where you think that deer is going to come. You don't know what right. he's going to do. Mm-hmm. You don't know what he, you don't can't read the deer's mind. All you know is, hey, th- this deer is in this area. To what do I think he's going to do, or where do I think these deer are going to be coming out of the, from the to bed and out into the corn? You don't. They might come out on this trail. They might come out on this trail. They might come at the wind at their back, their face. Who knows? And you know, I think it's, it's all just cr- got to come together. And we talk. You talked about it. How he had the wind to his back, mm-hmm. and you you see a lot of the times that a lot of mature deer will have the wind to their back because, like in your mind, you know they say, you know, give the the deer some type of wind you know, to their advantage and your advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but if that deer is traveling with the wind to its back, you see it a lot with a lot of big mature deer because they're watching mm-hmm. and they have the wind in the back, just how they bed. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And we think in our minds that they want the wind in their face. Mm-hmm. But big mature bucks, sometimes that's not the case. And different deer have different, yeah, you know, ways they like to travel. Yeah, and he came in, he, he, came, he came out the same way he went in. Because he knew it was safe. Um, I'm guessing, yeah. He he came in downwind of that field. Mm-hmm. Now my wind was cutting diagonal across it. If you would have come, if you went another sixty, so you seventy had a quartering wind, yeah, eighty yards down that uh, the edge of that cornfield, he would have winded me. 100%. When you were in your stand, when I was in my stand, but he stopped short of that and he come up and he hooked into that cornfield and did like a J hook and bedded but down right off of that. edge. He read the script at that point. And as far the as wind was the winds, pr- you know, he walked right up. Winds hitting him in the face. He, you know, he had come down to you know the south side of it, and then when he got up. He made the same trail back down. Now, my question is, going back on, you know, the other guy's bait pile and stuff like that, does it, it – did where he bed in that cornfield that day make any sense to where he was going to that – are they correlated uh, <coughs> together? Where he could have come out of that cornfield in the past, that's where he'd been living and bedding and then going – Correct, to- yeah. So the, the thicket where I think he was probably spending a lot of his time um, was 80 yards to the west. Mm-hmm corn or that bait that those it was apples and stuff was mm-hmm. kind of southeast of there in the kind of the area he was taking this this trail he would probably i mean the way he was going he would probably just worked his way there's a quad trail through this woods 
that eventually, you know, gets they cut across that trail. He's probably gonna walk down that quad trail, hit the hit the trail, and come go, out that fence line. Come out that fence line. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Wasn't that far? You know, 120 yards maybe. But you had never seen him out of that stand go in and bed in that area. I had never seen him. That's the only, that's the first day I saw him while I was deer hunting. And then the last time. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. Most of the deer I kill, I've only seen him one time. Well, oh, no, I shouldn't say. It. I shouldn't say. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The deer, deer I killed two years ago. I seen him a ton on trail camera. I had to get daylight pictures of him. Right. But when I finally killed him, the first time I saw him, I killed him. And, I mean, it's generally, most of the time, that's what happens. Right. Especially at least, for, at least for me. Now, do you normally shoot your deer in that, you, you hunt hard in those last couple of weeks of October, first week of November. Mm-hmm. Like, that's your. Yep. And then I then I usually slow it down a little bit around the holidays. Gun mm-hmm. season, when, you know, I, I hunt a lot during gun season. Right. And then if a deer, if I haven't killed one yet, because um, they're hard, they're so hard to hunt. They're so hard to predict. They're, they're unpredictable during right. the rut. Um, you know, I've had, I had a deer, a deer I killed two years ago. He left. He was gone for six weeks. Wow. And then he showed back up, and he never left. That's insane. Yeah. And, you know, I would I prefer to hunt deer late season, you know. I'll have the when far- they're back on that, I'll they're more patternable. I'll have farmers leave standing corn, standing beans, and I'll hunt that. And if it gets cold, like I'm talking, you know, single digits, negatives mm-hmm. with the wind chills, snow on the ground, yeah, and I haven't filled a tag, I'll be hunting over over food source somewhere. Right. Where they're coming back and they're mm-hmm. patternable yeah. to be able to kill them. And, yeah. and I agree with you where when you're when you're trying, like when I plan a lot of trips, and Ohio being one of them, is that last week of October, first week of November, because they start to get crazy. The testosterone starts to change. They start doing funny things. They start daylighting. They're making scrapes. They're a little bit more predictable. When you start getting in that second and third week, man, you're just hunting pinch points, and you're just hoping. Yeah, that they're going to – a deer's going to come cru- – a doe's going to come mm-hmm. cruising down there. He's got a couple bucks chasing her. Right. That's what you're hoping. I mean, some of the most frustrating times to hunt is that peak rut because – that you might if there's a hot doe you, there might be five six bucks running around but they're just running around and you can't get a shot you can't get them to stop and you're just so close and they're running around all over you and it's frustrating and there's people that are successful both ways right like mm-hmm. so when we do a ton of travel hunting and hunting public land and you just try to find those pinch points and you sit them all day yeah. every day and just wait for those deer to come through them them spots but earlier in the year when we're back home and they're patternable deer you know, and you, you know that they're in that area, they're on that scrape line, and they're doing that thing, it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you have to kind yeah, of. Yeah, definitely is. And both, and both are super successful. Mm-hmm. It's just what you're very good at, and you know what you're what doing. What you prefer, yeah. Because yeah. some guys like, you know, some guys are scrape hunters. Some yeah. guys are food source hunters. Some guys are, you know what I'm yeah. saying? That's just what they feel comfortable with, mm-hmm. and they're successful <laughs> at, you know? That's, I just, I mean, I just hunt when the weather's right for me. Mm-hmm. Good wind. I'm, I'm, I play, the, I watch the wind more than anything. Yeah. You know, I like to play the wind, and if the wind's bad, I don't, I won't hunt. Right. Um, you know, I might drive around and look for deer or something, but you know, I won't hunt. Um, You're very strategic. Strategic. With yeah, I, yeah, because I, I'm hunting small pieces of property, so you can't. Right. You bump them, and they're going to the neighbor mm. real quick. Yeah. So. Well, man, I got one last question for mm. you, and that is, what drives you outdoors, Jason? What drives me outdoors? Yeah, not your truck. Oh. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. There's just something, I don't know what it is, but there's just something inside of me that just, it's just this passion that I just, 
I don't know that you can put it on one thing. You just, there's just this passion that you're, I don't know if you're born with or what, but it's almost like it's part of me. You know, I, 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 it's like everything, you know, turkey hunting, shed hunting, groundhog hunting, um, morel mushroom hunting, Mm -hmm. western hunting, you know, I'm always trying to figure out some way to be outside. And I don't know if it's just, it's almost like, it's like, it's like a therapeutic thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I go out West, it's like a, even if I'm not successful, it's almost like a reset. Like, you know, if I go out West and I'm sleeping in a tent or I'm on the mountains, mm-hmm. um, it's like just everything goes away and I don't really think about, you know, anything other than, you know, being in the moment and it's like it's just like a i mean it is it's just like a reset you know some people go shopping you know when they're stressed out or whatever i go outside you know i go do something outdoors and it uh you know it seems like it resets me yeah i mean i i can't disagree with you yeah i mean it's, it, I, I, it's hard to it's hard to put like this is why i do that's it. why we asked that question it's man. not it's it's the, it's just like a therapeutic reset thing for me i mean it, it is i you know, if I'm stressed or something, I'll go outside and I'll go do something. I'll go cut wood or I'll mm-hmm. go, I'll do something. Right. You know, I'll go drive around and Look go for, for a walk or I'll, you know, I'll do something. But mm-hmm. I won't get stressed and go, I don't play video games. I don't right. even own a video game console. You know, some people get stressed and they go to a bar or they go, you know, what, I, I, or they go ride, you know, go r- ride their rangers or everybody has their thing. Mm-hmm. You know, my thing is, you know, I go outdoors. I'll right. go down, you know, go to a family farm and go turkey hunting or go walk around or just do something yep. you know that that's what i do that's so. awesome man well congratulations on an amazing buck dude thanks for taking the time with yeah. us and and doing the story it's yeah it's kind of cool and yeah i'm glad we uh, i'm glad we met up out here you know it's a busy time of the year um it, it seemed like uh I don't know. It was this perf- really perfect timing. It so, was. Yeah. It really was, yeah. man. Well, congratulations. Let's get back to the ATA. And uh, for everybody thanks. else, thanks for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive. <laughs>